Lord, we celebrate your name in this place because God wanted to be reconciled with his creation. He sent you, Lord Jesus, to die, to die for our sin, the world's sin, God, that we could be reconciled unto you, that we could be forgiven, that we could stand and say that I am a child of God. Lord, I pray that we don't take that for granted. I pray today we celebrate that in our hearts, in our lives, in this place together. God, it is a privilege. It is a privilege to be your child. It is, it is a blessing and honor to serve you. It is a blessing and honor, God, to worship you, not in a worship service alone, but with our lives, everything that we are, that we die to self, that we surrender to the cross in your gospel and your glory, God. So, Lord, in this place today, God, I pray that, uh, as we always talk about, we not go through the motions, God, that we lean into you. We sing about your goodness, God. We don't just pay you lip service. We mean it from our hearts. I pray today for hurting situations, hurting relationships in this place today, physical um, ailments in this place today that folks are enduring and dealing with, God. I'm so thankful, God, you love us and you know our hearts and our situation so much. You know every intimate detail about those. So, God, we're asking, forgive us in our failures. Forgive us if we've sinned against you, Lord. May we confess that. If we've hurt someone else, may we confess that unto you, God, but also go to them. Bible says that we shouldn't be able to come and sing praises unto you if things aren't right in our heart and things aren't right with each other. So Lord, let that sit there. Let that, let that marinate today, especially as we hear um, the message today from the book of Philemon, what that means in our lives. Lord, I, I thank you that you're the great healer. I thank you, God, that you see way more in every situation than we could ever think about seeing. You're the great orchestrator to help that all come together for good. So Lord, I, I praise you in this place today for what you've already been doing and what you're going to do. Help us lean in. May your word pierce our hearts today. May it move us and change us and be that, that double-edged sword today. That we leave here different. Thank you for the urgency of worshiping you, the urgency of knowing you, the urgency of walking with you every day. May that come through in our lives. We ask it in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, so good to have you guys. I can't believe it's March already, right? And we are finishing up a series actually today. I know it's a little weird. to We kind of seem to do the monthly thing more, but we are finishing a series today um, called Urgent. Um, we've been looking at really what are the four one-page letters of, in, in the New Testament that contain an urgent message for the recipient. Um, and obviously we know that applies in our lives today. Uh, character qualities that can't wait, that they need to be put into action as soon as possible. 
And so over the last few weeks, we've talked in week one, we, we looked at the book of 2 John, and the urgent message there was what? Love, right? Because love is the fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith. The second week, if you weren't with us, we looked at influence out of 3 John. Um, we need leadership. We need examples to follow um, so, that, so that we can choose the best ones possible to have influence in our lives. And then last week, we looked at responsibility from the book of Jude. Um, and it's kind of the other side of influence, right? Because you're responsible for you. You're responsible for what you think. You're responsible for what you believe. You're responsible for how you behave. And so today we arrive, as I alluded to in the prayer, the book of Philemon. Uh, no, that's not filet mignon. Philemon. How many of you just got hungry right there? And really the message of Philemon is reconciliation. Now, I know right there we want to check out because we don't, you know, either we think we already know everything there is to know about that or, hey, I'm good. I don't need to be reconciled with anyone. You probably do. It may be your spouse. It may be a child. It might be someone in the life of this church. My guess is is there's somebody you need to be reconciled to. And so don't lean out of this message because I want to give you some things that I think that are going to help you big time. Now, to give you the story here, a little bit of Philemon, um, as we've looked at like these other three letters, um, this is a fascinating one-page letter, book. Um, though its message is really very clear, kind of the details behind the letter are not so clear. One commentator said this, reading Philemon is like coming to a, a theater halfway through the movie. You don't know exactly what's going on. You watch it for a while to kind of catch part of the plot, and then all of a sudden you have to leave before it's over. It's kind of what happens here. And because it's a personal letter between friends, um, it kind of references some things that we don't totally understand or know about. But that's okay, because I believe, obviously, it is God's word to us the way that it is written. And we need to look at that and look at how to, to, to you know, learn from this and grow in this. Now, a little bit of the backstory before I read it with us together is I want to set up the characters here for you so that you kind of understand what's going on. You have a character by the name of Onesimus. No, it's not one Nasmus. It's Onesimus. And he is a slave who had become estranged from his owner. He got away from his owner. And obviously, Paul is here. His friend is Philemon. Philemon lived in Colossae, which is today Turkey. And Onesimus eventually ended up in Rome. All right? Maybe he'd run away. Maybe he was sent on a journey um, and he went AWOL from his journey he was called to do in his role. But either way, he ends up coming in contact with the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul leads Onesimus to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know exactly how they meet, met. We don't know uh, if it was coincidence or all these different things, but we do know the details about what Paul did about it. And that's what we need to look at as we read this together. So if you have your Bibles, the book of Philemon, and you have to go a few back from where we've been with 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. Um, and we're going to just pick up at verse 4. 
He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Let me stop right there. I mean, would you love that to be said about you? Man, that, that, that's a takeaway right there. Can people say that about your life? Well, let's move on. Therefore, although in Christ I would do bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I love that. Prisoner of Christ Jesus. That I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. Look at the depth of that relationship. I would, I would have liked to kept, keep him with me so that I could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that my favor you, so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he is set he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever no longer as a slave but better than a slave as a dear brother he's very dear to me but even dear to you both as a fellow man and as a brother in the lord so if you consider me a partner welcome him as you would welcome me if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Some great stuff here. Now I want to just, just hit the pause button for just a minute because I always feel like I have to address this um, anytime we talk about when this is mentioned in God's Word. Um, and it's to clarify when slavery is mentioned in Scripture. Um, because I think sometimes we jump to some serious conclusions there. And what we have to understand is that obviously Paul was... Uh, a man of the time of his culture, and he lived in a world in which 40% of the population were slaves. 40%. And for most of the workforce, that was it. If a man owned a business and had people working for him, in most cases, those workers were either his sons or his slaves. In other words, the world economy at the culture of this time was built on slave labor. Now, obviously, we've come a long way, thank you, Lord, right? But we need to understand that because it wasn't a question of human rights. It was a question of productivity in the time of the culture of that. All right? Now, the good news is, is that the Apostle Paul introduced some awesome ideas radical for his time. Things like he told slave owners that their slaves were to be treated with gentleness and respect. He, he lived in a culture in which, yes, you know what? It was perfectly legal to beat a slave or even kill a slave if they didn't do what they were supposed to do. But he said, don't do that. Don't speak harshly to a slave. 
Paul said, hey, we are all equal and one in Christ. Wow. Revolutionary. Things that no one else was saying. Just the fact that he was trying to bring these two men to reconciliation shows that Paul was definitely a man of God and he was definitely advanced thinking. Most people wouldn't have touched this situation with a 10-foot pole, if you know what I mean. So, the book of Philemon shows that, that, you know what, for you and I, there are going to be times, there are going to be opportunities, if you will, maybe even, listen to this, obligation that we have to stand in the gap between two people who are at odds with one another. There are going to be times that we have to do our part between two warring parties to bring about peace. I love the book of Isaiah chapter 58 verse 12 says, you shall be called the repairer of broken walls. Wow. Man, what about that? I can't think of, man, one of the greatest things that we can do as Christ followers, as, as loving other people, is that it's a wonderful thing to be the repairer of the broken walls between people who are at odds with one another. People that were once far apart that you can help come closer together or help them to resolve conflict and restore a right relationship. And here Paul shows us how to do it. I'm going to show you four things this morning that comes right from the text I think will be helpful to us. Whether you are trying to help two parties come together or whether you're one of those parties. (laughs) Because there will be times that you are. None of us are immune to that. The first thing I want to show you in the story as we look at it is We have to handle these kind of situations with care. We have to handle these situations with care. Because let's look at this. you got Paul here. He's writing about this difficult situation, and he's doing it with, when you read the text here, we just did, he's doing it with dignity. He's doing it with sympathy. He's doing it even with affection. This this is not a, that's how it's going to be right? He's handling this very loving. You even even see kind of this picture of an ambassador here. And I love that because when we think about the term reconciliation, and do we understand what reconciliation means? Two people at odds, whatever that might be, coming together in unity. He comes across like this ambassador, and for reconciliation to take place, you have to be an ambassador. Whether you're helping two parties come together or it's you involved in that, that's the heart that must take place when you do that, or you won't get very far. Paul, what I love here is Paul never refers to Onesimus as a slave or a fugitive. He never really calls him that. I love that because even though we know that, that, that you know, he was definitely a slave and more than likely he was a fugitive in this case, and what do we know? If you're a fugitive on the run, that's some big serious trouble, especially in this culture. They were given very harsh consequences for something like this. Most of the time lost their life. And so here, it, it put Philemon in this difficult situation. If he was too lenient with Onesimus, what kind of message was he sending to the other slaves? If, if he, if he you know, did want them to think that they run away, there was no consequences, what would that look like? When you or I are in the process of trying to either help people come to reconciliation or we're in that seat ourselves, you need to be aware of the obstacles and everything that's involved. You have to, and you have to handle them carefully. 
You see, there have been times when I have worked with couples who they've gone through something very terrible. Their marriage maybe has gone through adultery. An affair has happened. And the one who is cheated on is very conflicted. They're very afraid. They're very hurt. And, you know, they think things like this. Man, how many other secrets do I not know about? How long has this been happening? Are there others? Am I setting myself up to be hurt again in the future? You know, and it's easy for someone to kind of stand in there and say, oh, you just need to forgive him. You just need to move on, right? Or the other in the expression, kick him to the curb. Right? And we know biblically our, our responsibility in that is even though adultery might be a reason to leave your marriage, what does it say before that? God hates divorce. And so we do everything we can to try to build towards reconciliation. And the bottom line is when you have tough things like this, it's never just cut and dry. It is never just that simple. And you know what? The same is true even in other relationships, within the church, within your families. If you want to be an agent of reconciliation, you have to put yourself in the position of the people that are dealing with it. What are, what are all the details of that? What's happening? Put yourself in that position so that you can help them find restoration. I love it here because Paul takes the opportunity to kind of reframe the situation for Philemon. He says, man, let, let me kind of show you this a different way. And the good that can come of it. And I love that, if you don't know this, that the name Onesimus, the name means useful. That's powerful. Useful. And so Paul takes a plan of words. Look at verse 11. He says, formerly he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and to me. That's powerful, right? Play on words. His name means that. And then this is what Paul says. Now look at verse 15, 16. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. I bring those verses up because what do we see here? Paul is handling this situation with great care. He's trying to help Philemon develop some perspective on the situation so that he can make a clear-headed decision and not be caught up in the anger of what happened in losing him as a slave. You see, that's what happens, right? When we have conflict, we get caught up in being mad about what led to that, right? And we don't think right. We're caught up in the emotion of that. In order to reconcile or to even be the reconciler, you have to approach the situation carefully, gently, kid gloves a little bit, if you will, sympathetic, sensitive to the situation. And I know that's hard for us, right? When we've been wronged, I'm ready for justice. I want to show you next what happens. We have to help both parties to decide to do the right thing. We have to help people, and if we're one of those people, to decide to do the right thing. You can't make the decision for people to do the right thing. You can't. You can only lead people 
to the moment of reconciliation. And that's really what Paul is doing here. I mean, you know, you know how it was as kids, right? How many of you grew up with siblings, brothers or sisters, right? And what would happen? You get into them with them at some point, right? And what would mom or dad do? Y'all just kiss and make up. A kid would rather take a beating than kiss and make up with his brother or sister. Anytime. It's the way it was when I grew up. I don't care. Ground me, beat me with the belt. I do not care. I am not kissing and making up with her. It doesn't work that way with adults. Why, right? Because we're supposed to be mature adults. We can handle this. I'll tell you a situation that happened in my last church where I came here. There was a week that was one of them fun weeks. I had two staff members who could not come to an agreement about the use of the church van on Wednesday nights. And you would have thought, I, I, at one point, I got concerned going to split our church over this. I'm being a little facetious, but it was that serious. I knew I had to get them in the room to deal with this right and talk it out and to work through it. And so, uh, you know, the part thing in this is that both sides, of, you know, both sides, both staff members had equal points. They had great value. There was no, this one's more right than the other one's right. And yet we were in this stalemate. And the more, so we, so we eventually we get them in a room. And the more that we began to work, try to work it out, the more emotional it got. This is two strong staff members in the life of the church. Two people I would have thought would never be in that seat at that moment. But here they were. And I remember just trying to help lead them to reconciliation. Can we, can we come to some point? And the good news was, is eventually we landed in a place that they both could agree on as far as the use of the van. But can I tell you what happened in the process? They both got very hurt at each other out of it. And that was a tough process. And it was, there was some tension for a long time. And I tell you that story not because I want to glorify that. But man, here were two people that I thought would have never been there. Yet here they are. And even though they reconciled the, the van use, they never did really reconcile with each other. You know, when I think about that, we can't force people to reconcile. We can only lay out the options, give them the chance to do the right thing. And that's what Paul does here. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, therefore, although in Christ I could, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. And then jump to verse 14. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not be forced or seem forced, but would be voluntary. Yeah, Paul's trying, Paul's, Paul in his greatness and trying to see this situation from, from the best view. He's trying to give Philemon a pretty strong hint about what he should do, what's right. But he leaves the ball in Philemon's court to let him decide what should happen. 
It's the same when we personally are trying to reconcile with someone ourselves or we're trying to bring two people together. You can't do it for them. You can go to them. If you're involved, you can go to that other party and say, listen, I want things to be right between us and I'll do what it takes and what I can to make things right. The final decision is always up to the person. You can only do your best to create an atmosphere where reconciliation is possible. And that's what we're called to do, is to help that to happen. Sometimes it can be one of the hardest things you ever do. Is humbling yourself across a table, if you will, from someone that you're very angry at. But it's the only way that you can ever come to any sort of peace in that. Now look thirdly what happens. You've got to be willing to give of yourself. And I think that's what I was alluding to there. Paul asked Philemon to take Onesimus back. And then he said, look at this in verse 18 and 19. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, what does he say? Charge it to me. I will take that on. I, Paul, am writing you this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Wow. Man, what a picture. What a picture if we are Christ followers. We are one in Christ. You know, Christ has paid the price. And here we just have to kind of work through some of these tough things with someone. And this is the difference. This picture here is the difference between what we would call meddling and peacemaking. Meddlers stand on the outside and tell people what they ought to do. Peacemakers get involved. Not in a bad way, not in a nosy way, not in a meddling way, but in a very peaceful way. And that's what Paul did. He wasn't just giving advice. He was being an agent of reconciliation. He cared enough about these two men that he was willing to spend his own money to see it happen, whatever it was. And so I just simply say, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that when the conflict comes? Are you willing to invest of yourself, your own resources, your own energy, your own time in order to see two people come together? To give it your all. Are you willing to do that in the conflicts you have? Sometimes reconciliation comes with a price. How do we know? Jesus paid the price for our reconciliation to an almighty God. He went to the cross. He paid the price for our sins so that we could have peace with God, that we could have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ our Lord, that we could be saved, that we could be forgiven, that we could walk in the newness of life. The Bible says that even though we were God's enemies living in rebellion, separated from him by what? By sin. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Folks, reconciliation came with a price. And that's what we sing about today, that we not take that for granted, that we not just look by that. You stand here forgiven if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today because a price was paid for you. And Jesus was willing to stand in the gap between sinful man and a holy God in order to pray for our reconciliation. He loves you that much. He loves me that much. He loves us that much. And we should not blow past that. And today he's calling you. If you do not have a relationship with him, he wants that more than anything. He wants to be reconciled unto you. He wants to forgive you. 
when I think about that, to a much lesser extent, we sometimes must stand in the gap between those that we are in either in conflict with or two that are in conflict with each other. We've got to be willing to sacrifice part of ourselves to, to, to make that possible reconciliation. What does that mean? You know what? It means doing the hard thing sometimes. It means taking somebody out to dinner <laughs> and having the talk. <laughs> it means, you know, spending time with that person. It may even involve a long-term commitment of your time and energy. I can't help but go to Matthew 5, 9, where Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Many of you know today whether you're a person that gets upset very easy or not. You know how you're wired. Are you a peacemaker or more of a troublemaker? Because Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. Wow. We've got to give of ourselves. We can't always think it's the other person. Even if all the evidence is absolutely pointing to the other person. <laughs> Are you willing to be the peacemaker? I want to show you one last thing that happens here. Because it's not enough just those three. Those are bad at heart enough. <laughs> but he says then, we need to follow up on the progress of these relationships. Because look at what happens in verse 22. As Paul has said all this, like I said, which seems like enough, he says, and one more thing, <laughs> one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Now remember, where's Paul at? He's writing from a prison in Rome. He's in chains. He's in this situation. Now, from what I understand, he had a little more freedom than we would think normally in prison. I wouldn't exactly call it house arrest, but similar. Obviously, he's writing like this. He, he's doing things that are incredible for the power of the gospel. Some believe he was obviously able to even receive visitors. That's why it's a little bit more like house arrest, if you will. He's conducting ministry. But here was the thing. He knew in his heart that eventually his heart and hope was he would be released. And his plan was upon his release that he was then going to make, listen to this, thousand-mile journey from Rome to the Colossae and spend time with his friend Philemon. He was saying, in effect, hey, you know what? This doesn't end my connection to you. This doesn't end my connection with Onesimus. This does not connect end the situation here. I'm going to come and spend time with you. What do you think he asked him about? <laughs> Reconciliation, listen, the point of this is it's a process. And it's not something that's going to be fixed overnight many times. It takes time to achieve. Some people will take a couple of steps sometimes in the, in, in the direction of reconciliation, and then they'll falter. Their, their feelings will get hurt again. They'll stumble. Their heart will say, you know, I don't like this, whatever. And that's why there has to be follow-up. 
If you've helped two people kind of mend fences, if you will, you need to kind of follow up on that situation. Not in a nosy way, in a very peace-giving way of, hey, how are you guys doing? Keeping an eye on them. Keeping them under your care, if you will. And if you personally have experienced reconciliation with someone, follow up on that. Don't just let it just be done. Check on the situation. Hey, how are you doing? It's not a one and done event, usually. It's a process. If you go to the words of Paul, 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, he said that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? This means that we not only help people be reconciled to God, right? We help lead people to Jesus. But it also means we help people be reconciled to one another. And so Paul said that we should be eager to maintain the bond of unity. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to what? Peace. I know that we can look at this many times and kind of take this message for granted. And can I tell you one of the biggest ways that the devil divides is right here. You don't like what somebody else does in the church or you don't like what they, the way they even looked at you. You don't agree with this or you don't agree with that. And that division begins. And that slippery snake of the enemy of Satan likes to slither his way right there and get you to have nothing but terrible thoughts about that person or the situation or all the above. And you kind of carry that baggage and you don't even realize it a lot of times. And then you begin to hate to see those people. Then you begin to hate to be here or in that ministry where they're at. Man, how, how quickly the enemy then divides the power of the church that way. God wants his people to live together in unity. He wants his people in harmony and peace. And yes, the simple truth is sometimes we don't. Because we're people, right? We have a sin nature about us. Even though we are to look more like Christ every day that he leaves us on this earth, we have a sin nature. And it can rear its ugly head many times, any time. But when it happens and we find ourselves in conflict with somebody, we got an opportunity. We have an opportunity to be called the sons of God. Or we have the opportunity to not. And to be troublemakers, if you will. And here's what I know. If we will enter the situations like we talked about today more carefully, and if we'll enter those situations, you know, gently and encourage, whether it's two parties, you're encouraging them both to do those things, or if it's you, you know, to do what's right, not by meddling, but doing genuine sacrificial involvement, we can experience the joy of reconciliation. Now, let me tell you, when you see it happen, and it happens well, It's one of the greatest joys. One of the greatest joys. 
And when you see it happen and you help people do that or you take that step yourself with someone else to be called the repair of a broken wall, what a gift. So I'm going to ask you today to bow your heads. I just want to ask you to think about a few things. You know, first of all, Paul says back earlier in the book, verse 9 or so, I believe, he says that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I love that phrase because it shows that I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to the things I love. I'm no longer a slave to this world. I am now a child of the King. I've given my life to Jesus Christ, and now I am His slave in a sense. I am a prisoner to Him. And man, I think of us today in this place. There's some of you here today, you're a prison to some things, maybe many things. But could you be accused that, man, you're a prisoner of the Christ? Is that showing your life? Let me first start, maybe you're here today, and man, you know, hey, I've not been living that way. I've not lived truly a slave to Jesus Christ. I've not given my life to him. He gave his life to you, so for you, and wants to give it to you so that you can be reconciled before a holy God. God can't see your sin if that happens. If that's you today, take that step. I'd love to talk with you about that. The greatest step of reconciliation you'll ever take is the one to God through Christ. Maybe you're here and you're like, Russ, man, I I struggle with this. (laughs) I struggle with the spirit of reconciliation. I struggle reconciling to somebody else. I struggle with helping others do this. I'm not a repairer. <laughs> you can be. It's a heart and attitude thing. It's, it's having the right heart of God, as we talked about today. Will you surrender that, though? Will you surrender your pride? Will you surrender those things to be an agent of reconciliation and to be called a son of God? That's on you. It's up to you. So maybe today in your seat at this altar, that's that's what you need to deal with. Maybe you need to pray about a situation you know that's not good. A relationship that's not you, but it's someone else that you want to specifically pray for to bring about that. How can you do that? Maybe today some things for you is just getting some things right with God. Reconciled to God also means seeking His forgiveness and repentance for something in your life that you know is not right, that you are sinning against a holy God. Will you repent today and turn from it? You are personally broken and you need His forgiveness. Come for prayer. We'll have prayer warriors down here that if you want someone to pray with or just want to pray here at the altar on this side by yourself, you come. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this story because it helps us see that God, even through the worst difficulties sometimes, 
You use others to help bring about reconciliation. You use your power, God, to help us see the good and to handle with care relationships with others. Help us do that. Help us walk in that, God. Give us your strength today. Give us your your power. Help us over our pride.